ride with me in my foul life. And just like that, I know y'all have been so excited for the next episode to be released. I'm excited for this one. They've been so awesome so far. I love this time of year when we get the Bible of duck and goose hunters delivered in our mailboxes on our newsstands. They're in duck lodges and bathrooms all over the country as we speak. We're back with another Fowl Life podcast episode for the 2021 Wildfowl Giant Gear issue. And as always, I have my unbelievable co-host, editor-in-chief of Wildfowl Magazine, Skip Knowles, joining us today. Skip, are you excited today to talk about ammo and choke tubes, part of that shooting system that we discussed with Chad Mendez and George Thompson from Benelli USA. Are you excited, Skip Knowles? I'm a real geek about this stuff. A lot of guys try and like pick one choke, go, okay, I'm good, one system, one ammo, but I get I get to test them all, all the time. And I really see how um, much of an impact they make, man. I can, we'll talk more about that later, but I can't believe the elite hunters that I've seen disregard um, chokes and, and am, ammunition combinations. Some really good hunters who kind of disregard it when I find it so critical to your success, especially if you're going to play around and, you know, sub gauges or anything like that. Yeah, let's not forget, let's not forget, Skip, that we're taking the responsibility of aiming a loaded weapon at a live animal and taking that animal's life. We should do it with dignity and respect. In my opinion, we do not want to ever see an animal suffer. Cripples are going to happen. That's why we have conservation tools like a great Labrador retriever or whatever dog breed you choose. But using the right shooting system ensures that you're going to pattern that gun, you're going to be on target, you're going to have confidence in it, and you're going to understand what that gun and shooting system can do at different yardages, different winds, different, you know, different weathers. There's a lot of things that go into it. And we have two masters of this on the show today. They've been here before on several occasions. The reason that we brought these two in is because they understand the system. Now, look, there's a lot of manufacturers that make ammo. There's a lot of manufacturers that build choke tubes. Um, it's to each their own. We want to simply educate our listening audience and our viewing audience on YouTube of what is out there and what are some of the ideologies and beliefs when it comes to this shooting system. We touched on it with George Thompson and Chad Mendez on our shotgun episode, but today we bring in Dan Compton from Federal, Federal Premium, Black Cloud, the best in my opinion, but again, it's up to the consumer. We just simply want to give you some insight on what is out there, what's available today as you visit your local retailer. As ammo becomes more and more readily available, we know we've struggled with it over the last 15 months, but I think that we're starting to see a surge coming out of it. We'll let Mr. Dan Compton talk about that. Dan, City of Compton, what's up, my brother? Hey, how you guys doing? <clears throat> how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Yeah, we're... Well, yeah, it's a common question. You know, I just worked the Grand American trap shoot and like, you know, just it's probably what first on everyone's mind is where is the ammo? And I can tell you that the people at Federal are cranking it out as fast as they possibly can. And it does appear to be that there could be a light at the end of the tunnel coming here, for, coming up here pretty soon. So you really got to, you know, the days like in the past, you can just go to the store, buy what you want two days before the hunt. You know, now that you just got to be really vigilant and you got to be planning ahead of time and, and hitting your hitting your regular gun store as often as possible and checking online to, to get as much as you can. But we're doing the best we can to, to get get shells out there for the duck hunters in the fall. 
Well, we appreciate the efforts and the expertise and the professionalism and the transparency and honesty, Dan Compton, because it is what it is. And I, we know that manufacturers like Federal, Federal Premium are doing everything they can to take care of hunters and shooters alike across the country, across the world, our military, our first responders. It's not like your retail centers or dealers or hunters like myself or Rob or Skip are your only concern or your only customer. You guys are building ammo as fast as you can, but keeping that quality quality and that attention to detail there. Same with our other guest because his surgeon business is through the roof and it's because of this and this only. It's just the best there is. I mean, when you have a shooting system that is reliable and gives you that confidence that your gun is going to operate when those ducks or geese or whatever game you're pursuing, it might be a coyote charging. It might be a big gobbler in Kansas all fanned out over your decoy. You don't want anything to go wrong. You definitely don't want the trigger to pull and the gun to go off and the black powder to activate the BBs and come out of your barrel and then not be patterned right to where you're not on target. And this man has created a system that, I visited his place in Arkansas. I have been shooting his system for seven years in a row. And I will promise people again, you got to do what you got to do and buy what you want to buy. But when you have somebody like Rob Roberts that has dedicated his life to the shooter, the shooter and the shooting system, I'm not going any further. Rob Roberts, thank you for what you do. And uh, most of all, thank you for being here today from Arkansas, my man. Well, that's quite an introduction for sure. And I, I do appreciate the good words. Um, yeah, with everything going on, just like he said, you know, these guys are working as hard as they can to get the ammo out there. It's not like they're just, you know, it's some kind of conspiracy theory for uh, them to make more money. That's not the that's not the point. Uh, on a good note to what they are doing up there at Federal is they've got their custom shop coming. So it's they're actually working on new products, even though they've got the other products running as hard as they can go. There's still more and more coming. And with what's coming, it's um, it's a whole new ball game. I mean, some of this stuff, you know, with uh, with shot like TSS and everything coming up, this is uh, this is really cool stuff to be playing with. And uh, yeah, like I said, as long as they can keep people working, um, products are going to be out, and there's a lot of stuff that people are really going to be wanting to try this year. Yeah, between all of our brands here, between Federal, CCI, Spear, and now Remington has joined the fold and Heavy Shot. So we we got a, a big piece of ammunition industry. I think we've hired over a thousand people. So that's a thousand American jobs in a down economy, you know, to to do everything we can to, to bring the shells out there. And, and Rob, you had a good point on the custom shop. A custom shop gives us an opportunity where it's like a dedicated cell where we we literally have three to four guys at all times hand loading products for people. And then whether that shot shell or rifle, and we're trying to get to the point where you can send your rifle and we'll match it and pattern it for you and potentially get that for a, a shotgun as well. And we're going to have two new loads that we're offering on our website and through a dealer program that we work ex- exclusively with Rob on for a 20 gauge number seven TSS and a 28 gauge number seven uh, TSS as well. And, you know, we can talk a little bit about the details and why we went into that. But, yeah, it's pretty exciting to, to do. But it just shows that we're doing everything possible. We've really got guys running hand loaders, you know, to at the highest level quality just to get products out the, out the door. Dan, so. let me ask you this real quick. When I know Skip's just over there just geeking out like crazy. <laughs> um, it makes me wonder, how did our grandparents or our great grandpas and grandmas ever harvest an animal. And what I mean by this is you always hear, man, I wish I would have been around during the golden years. I wish I'd have been around during the heyday of duck hunting. 
To me, that's now, okay? We have birds in the flyaways, the conservation efforts. We have farming techniques and agriculture. Then you go to the gear. We've talked about the evolution of gear and the technology that's going into everything from a pair of waders to boots of keeping us in the field longer, keeping us drier and warmer to guns that are state of the art. And now you start geeking out on this ammo in these custom shops and Rob's geeking out on the choke tubes. What is it that drives companies like federal to keep advancing because isn't this good enough isn't black cloud good enough but then we went to tss and now we combine it with 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 what guys like rob roberts are doing with his suiting systems and his choke tubes and everything he does at his custom shop why is it what do what drives these brands to keep being innovative do we need more to be a better duck hunter what is the end goal here dan give me i know that that kind of sounds like well of course we're going to keep innovating but come on man we have the best of the best that's ever been in the history of the hunting culture why keep going and moving forward you know i've i've asked i've asked that question before and you get asked like what new can be done in ammo you know, because it's just a shotgun shell or whatever. And I honestly, I don't think for at federal, I don't think it's ever going to be good enough. I don't think we've ever hit the pinnacle of what could possibly be achieved. Now, good enough to some hunter and waterfall may be different than good enough to a turkey hunter because they're looking at different things. But I've been on the product team almost close, to, I think, 10 years now, starting this summer. And even like for my first couple of weeks when I sat in meetings and we're talking about the new directions going forward, I was I was amazed that we didn't sit back on our laurels more coming from sales. We're talking, you know, selling some of the you know product. We try to have a leading product in every category out there. And you're selling with confidence over competitors because we feel we have that in almost everything across the board. And I was surprised at what level of criticism we had on ourselves to like, to keep pushing, to keep driving and say, what's going to be the next thing. So there's always going to be a next thing. And, and we are in some areas, you know, if you got your bell curve of performance and this is where the average is, we are going way out to the fringe to get better because that's where we're at now. You know, it's the ammo gun systems, whether that's rifles, shotguns, handguns, everything is so technically advanced. It really is about systems. And, you know, I think the last time we talked, we talked about that as well. So that's why, you know, we're gonna keep pushing the envelope on the product, but the next step is working with guys like Rob or Benelli or, or whoever to come up and make that system as best as possible so that that ammo is doing everything it can, but the delivery mechanism is doing everything it can as well. And Rob, on the same lines, Mr. Rob Roberts, Rob Roberts, custom gun works. What, when you hear Dan Compton talk like that, I've, I've called you, I don't know, a hundred times in the last 24 months, I'm going to say two years and told you, dude, this T2 is amazing. Like I have not got performance out of my shooting system like this. I'm so deadly at 30 yards and in, which is like what we like ducks and geese decoying. But when I say deadly, I mean deadly. Like I'm talking standing up and no necks up running around the decoys, dogs just bringing back dead birds. And that's important to me. How do you answer that question, Rob Roberts, of like, well, yeah, the T1, T2, and T3 are fantastic, but we're going to advance just like federal's doing. Is this fair to say, Rob, that you're on the innovative edge and the cutting edge of technology that you want to better the system as well? Yes, we have. Matter of fact, um, we are, we're actually sitting on a choke tube right now that we've went in and you've noticed over the years, we've not, for 15 years, we've had the same choke system. And what we've always went is to find out what gun likes, what choke, and then you're kind of done. So what we try to do on the innovation side is we keep trying to do better. Well, actually, we've we've got it designed. What you know, what is doing 
just a little bit better, but we're, we're sitting on this new product because of the new products coming out, just like on this custom shop, shop from Federal. We're finding these loads are so phenomenal. They keep getting better and better and better. So what we want to do is we've sat back to wait before we release this new thing that we're on top of the, the game. But, you know, it does as far as some of that stuff, uh, there's no such thing as having too much fun, you know. So we do, and we are Americans, we do try to go just to the, you know, if a car runs 250 miles an hour, we want it to run 255 miles an hour. But um, um, getting back to that is we do stay on top because we are trying to find what is better. And uh, right now, you know, we're still hitting, we're still hitting where we were. And it's, it's kind of tough to do something that you've been, you've been doing for 15 years that's working. You don't want to go in and drastically change anything. So um, we've spent several weeks going back and forth, just trying like a new choke, for example, different lengths, um, different parallel sections, ported, non-ported, um, all kinds of things. We, we do this continuously. And uh, we're still right where we need to be. Um, like I said, we'll have a new new thing coming shortly, but uh, not to be talked about right now. But uh, we're kind of waiting to see everything settle in before we bring it to a head. Skip, when you hear Dan and, and Rob Roberts talk the way they're talking, do you visualize, Skip, you understand the art of visualization. Um, I've always accounted for in athletics. Ted Williams, one of the greatest hitters of all time, last Major League Baseball player to ever hit 400, wrote a book called The Science of Hitting. Chapter three or four in that book when I read it was The Art of Visualization. Picture the pitch. Is it a slider? Is it going to be down and in? Where is it going to be in the hitting zone? Is it going to be a fastball on the outside of the half? Do I got to let the ball carry deeper into the hitting zone and let the ball get deep and hit it where it's pitched? You're in the on-deck circle and you're visualizing – this account that's getting ready to happen. In hunting, I try to apply the same thing, Skip Knowles. I picture the hunt the night before. I just scouted. The roost is over here. The sun's going to be doing this. The wind's going to be doing this. The temperature's going to be doing this. Is there going to be frost on the decoys? What's going to happen when the sun hits the decoys and it gets light on it? We always get in a rush. Oh, my gosh, that group didn't do it right away. So we get up and panic and move the decoy spread. No, just relax. Visualize. The sun's going to come up. It's going to make everything so beautiful and more realistic and legitimate to the live birds approaching your decoy spread. I try to use visualization in everything I do, Skip. So my question to you is when you hear Dan and Rob talk the way they're talking, do you visualize yourself taking your gun out of the case, the correct choke tube in there that you've been practicing with the patterning's been done the ammo has been selected do you go this far when you talk about geeking out skip Knowles? do you visualize when you hear this are you just painting this picture in your head like i am oh man <clears throat> like you said i'm a very visual person that's why i got in the magazine business to begin with but i work uh i have systems that i'm completely confident in they're just amazing and they're proven um and i'm a total believer in chokes and loads me and uh, Terry Denman were smacking coyotes repeatedly. I wouldn't even say this on camera. Terry wouldn't say it on camera. I hate to even say it, because, but it was on TV. We filmed it. You can go watch it. We killed multiple coyotes over 90 yards um, with 12 gauges with BBs. And it was that super murderous new apex tungsten stuff. And I mean, we were, we were having to hold like at the top of a coyote's back or if he's facing us on his head, because it was literally dropping. It was at those kind of ranges. Terry is an engineer and he wouldn't uh, say it on camera, <laughs> but he'd walk it off and he's professionally trained to do so. And uh, he uh, was, was like 
he'd turn to the camera and go like, well, Skipper, that was about over 80 yards. And he'd walk back by, I'm like, how far, how far was it really? It was 99 and a half. And I'm like, you don't do that without knowing your chokes and loads. Now that's extreme. We don't encourage people to shoot at ducks over 35 yards ever, but the technology is there. That's just to show what can happen. And if you can visualize, instead of just grabbing a shotgun with the chokes that came with it, if the gun doesn't like them, but to go out there and pick one, it's just an amazing thing. You could, and it's fun to play around with different shot sizes. With that particular apex load, we ran out of the BBs and we were killing big 40 pound, well, 35 pound Mexican coyotes um, with number fours in that tungsten. The physics changed because the shot size is so small, there's less drag on it. It's always been like buckshot has the most retained inertia and energy. It's not necessarily true with some of this crazy new super dense stuff. And you get so much more pattern density and penetration. Um, there's so much to it. Visualization though, I'll try and wrap this up. I'm lucky I work in the outdoor sportsman's group and we own tons of gun magazines, guns and ammo. And we have all these brilliant gun guys who are always visualizing things differently. And every time, even though I have all these proven shotgun and choke systems, I'm always picking them up, wishing they were shorter, lighter, kick less. And you know, there's always room for improvement. And one of the guys from Guns and Ammo, I was criticizing uh, some shotgun shells that were jamming because he's like, well, look at the delivery system. He got me thinking so far outside the box. He goes, it's a plastic hull. It's a little bucket that grows by a half inch when it's fired. So a three and a half inch shell becomes a four inch empty shell with snaggly um, plastic frayed ends. It's, 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 he goes, it's a ridiculous system with little plastic boxes we're firing. These things need to have sleek, you know, maybe all brass metallic casings that will cycle flawlessly and the whole thing needs to change. And I don't know if he's right. And back then I thought he was, but, but that was eight years ago. Now everything's become so amazingly efficient. And like I said, what we did with the coyotes and all these delivery systems of chokes and loads, it, now I don't feel like it's such a bad system after all, but he got me thinking outside the box that the whole delivery system for shotgun shells and shot could change smarter, lighter, faster, more effective somehow, but it would require a giant overhaul and no one wants to spend that money. But yeah, I visualize stuff all the time, even though yeah. we have these epic systems now. And I could piggyback on that. I mean, we've, we've experimented and I'm sure Rob has too, you know, on some pretty radical stuff, you know, like all metallics or, you know, shot shells that completely break up at the head. And it's like a four piece launching system through the air. And like, almost like the whole round goes through the barrel. No, none of it is, you know, you, you work on the fringes to be better at the middle, you know, is what we're working on. So, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you're always pushing it and you're right. You know, the, the function of ammunition, it's innovation is limited to the box that we're in. Like we're limited to this firearm system and the, the feeding mechanism is limited by the design of the ammo and the ammo is only as good as a feeding system and cycling, you know, so we, we all have to piggyback on each other to try to get better and improve on it. But the, the next steps, like the next thing in the industry are going to be, I think it will be something pretty, pretty radical to, to change from where we're at. You know, we've shotgun shells started with paper and then in the sixties, they went to plastic and now plastics, you know, single use plastic is kind of a buzzword. And a lot of stuff we're working on federal is looking at, you know, we're going back to paper wad delivery systems and see if we can make that work, you know, so we're not leaving as much plastic out in the field so you know as polymers have changed it allows technicians it has allowed the technologies to get better in, in wads as uh, machining has become easier and the equipment you use has become more precise that changes everything so it's, it's a constant cycle but like just to go back right to your first question chat you always got to keep innovating if you want to be relevant you know and we want to give the hunter the best possible thing we can you know and so we'll just keep digging when you start talking about piggybacking 
you have a market that is in need of ammo. You have many manufacturers out there that are working their tails off to develop ammo, research, product development, testing, everything that goes into going to market with this. When you hear somebody talk about competition in this space, now I understand how big federal is and what you've acquired and where you guys are going for the future. I understand some of it. I shouldn't say that I know all of it, but I've learned through you guys some of it. Very exciting. But when you talk about piggybacking, you and Rob, I want you to touch on this, Compton, is how driven are you by competition? Does federal stay in their lane and you guys are always just coming up with the ideas? Or is there is there insight of, well, this is being done. Should we try this? Because I, I just don't know how how you you piggyback off of who? You piggyback off of the 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 guys in your shop that are that are either in the pro shop, the custom shop, or on your everyday, on your everyday lines that are making the ammo for federal how does this happen how does the innovation keep going are you pushed by competition and is this a good competitive market to be in as far as ammo goes and choke tubes yeah it's good you know rob you don't mind i'll jump in first (laughs) go right Um, it's it's a good market to be in in a way because you know we're we're so busy and we're selling everything we can possibly make and that helps drive you know future funding actually for projects when you're when your company's doing well it can help you invest in the future but a big part, like just to go right to square one, like my job, I look at the product roadmap across all the usage categories for shots, home, rimfire. And then I, I look at Turkey, I look at Upland, I look at Waterfall, personal defense. And where are we within that category with the products we have? And I try to have a good, better, best for everything. We got opening price point for somebody who's who's hunting on a budget, just likes to shoot volume or whatever. And we try to make that product as best we can. And then we might have a mid-tier one and we have a premium product, you know, at the top. And I'll look at that and see, so where are the holes, you know, what's Remington doing? What's Winchester doing? What's heavy shot doing? And then where does federal need to be? So that's part of it. The second part is we've gotten a lot of our, and you talk about competition, I don't know if it really plays in, but a lot of our ideas have come from outside inventors. You know, somebody who comes up with an idea in their garage for a wad concept, but they don't necessarily have the injection molding know-how or the funding to go about and take this to the next level and mass produce it. So we try to work with them. Say, can you get us a deliverable prototype? The flight control wad is a great example of this. Chris Billings was a man who patented the flight control wad and then brought that to federal and said, Hey, do you want to partner on this? And we did. And Chris was a great resource and we, we learned from each other and came out with this great wad, which revolutionized our, you know, I would say the shot show world, but, definitely revolutionize our lineup because it touches almost every category that we have. So when I say piggyback, you know, the next um, gun system that comes out, whether that's going to cycle a different way or somebody's going to, you know, create a different gas delivery system, whatever, we have to be ready to either capitalize on that or hopefully we leverage our relationships with the gun company so that we're in the know and we can come out and do it together. Wow. Very awesome. Um, Rob, do you no. do you consider yourself in the same boat as that as far as like paying attention to the market, I guess, is the gist of this, right? Not really. Um, we <laughs> more like stay in our own lane. Um, and the reason we get out and not to say it's right or wrong, you know, in earlier days, you spent so much time worrying about what the other guy does that, you know, you're just going backwards. So we kind of started staying in our own lane and then we try to take what we're doing because we do use this. Now our guys, we all hunt, we go back. To me being a sportsman, I've said that before, is kill something, kill it hard. Don't wound it, don't go off, kill it, go out there. 
what we're finding with this new technology, and we've been playing with like the TSS, this real uh, heavy densities type stuff for a while and um, doing our own loads, doing everything back there. And what we were noticing is kind of like what Skip was talking about. Pretty soon you're killing coyotes way out there farther than a shotgun should shoot with smaller shot size because now instead of the old days where, and I'm old enough that, you know, used to go turkey hunting, you'd use a number four because you wanted that shot that hits him and kills him. Well, now you're breaking bones, and so you can put 10,000 little swarms of little bitty bees, and long as they're hard enough that they're breaking the bone, the game's down. And so um, uh, I think what we're going to see, um, we do have a new line of stuff that is coming, but what we're doing is we're taking – we're playing with these guns and these new loads and this new ammo, and we're finding that these guys are actually able to walk out here with a 28-gauge. You know, now you don't have the beating, banging, three-and-a-half-inch kicking loads, and you're going out here with a 28-gauge, and you're shooting a, a goose at 50 yards that's folding and going down. And we, uh, we've been doing some testing here in the last, in the last month uh, that we're showing patterns at 45 yards coming out of uh, – 28 gauge shotguns they're just stupid good it's way stupid good and um so that's part of technology now with that comes expense and everything else and there's a lot of people that are still going to buy you know let's let's pick on federal they're going to go down and buy the blue box because they can buy it at walmart or whatever it's cheaper and they're going to go boom 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 and if that's for you that's great because it works great but there's some guys that's, you know, they're, they're getting older, such as myself. You're getting older. I don't want to get beaten, banged. And I really like to take quality quality shots and, and, and enjoy it and go out and kill things. But at the end of the day, you want it dead. And now the, I think the, the big trend you're going to see is these sub-gages coming out and these guys where they are getting quick, clean kills with, with all this new innovation that's coming. And so, yeah, we, we kind of stay in our lane just to see if we can outdo what we're already doing. And that's, that's where we try to be. I love, I love that both analogies work very well with where, you know, I feel that the market is going because, you know, one of the questions I've always had Compton and I know Skip and I have discussed this amongst the cell, uh, both of our cells in private is does TSS really sell? Does it, is it needed? And when you shoot it, you're like, Yes, this is amazing. My question to you, Compton, is when you come out with a product like TSS, and I know Rob Roberts has been testing TSS for years on his own, um, what is the customer for this, Compton? And I want your transparency on this. Is it surprising you on the, the waterfowl side? Because I get turkey. I understand going and buying five shells because you might – go on two hunts all year and you want the best there is patterning and all that. But when you start talking about a snow goose hunt or a 10 bird limit on Canada geese in California or a 10 bird limit on California specs or wherever you go, you go down to Oklahoma and kill eight Canada's you're looking at pretty good pull the trigger, you know, pro, you know, as far as what you're spending each time you pull the trigger, is it surprising you with complete transparency that goose hunters have caught on to the TSS phase? In terms of it, like accepting the product and, and like ex, like uh, accepting it for its knockdown and power, yes, it, it's not. No, that has not surprised me because, like you said, once somebody shoots it, it's like holy, like wow. You know, I think a good analogy I had was like it felt like we were tearing them from the sky. Like when you first did that test, Chad, that's how Eric Carlson brought it back to me. 
in terms of the volume of steel versus TSS on the waterfall side, it's right about where we expect it, but we never, you know, it, it's, I can't even give you a good number. It's, it's a fraction of what we sell in steel today, you know, for like the black cloud TSS product we sell, it sells okay. And it's, it's good enough to keep in line it, but we never expected it to be, you know, to overtake what we do in steel sales because it is expensive. And every time you pull the trigger, it's several bucks per round. One of the things that we've really learned from the Turkey is that, you know, Turkey sales, you know, Turkey is one of the best seasons to forecast for because it's very finite, you know, exactly when it starts, you know, exactly when it's done, we're done making shells at a certain point, And then we get on to the next year orders kept coming in for 410 over the year, 410, we're getting them all summer long and into the fall. And so what we learned from it is that maybe not necessarily in a 12 gauge. And that's why working with Rob and the sub gauge stuff is the trend we're seeing people who are going smaller, they like either less recoil or they just like the challenge. We've seen that TSS does very well in sub gauge. And I think the recoil is a big part of it, you know, an honest big part of it. And you're getting such, you know, in a turkey load, your 410 number nine shot is the same equivalent of a number five ounce and three quarter lead in terms of pellet count and energy on target. In a waterfowl load, it's even better because you're getting more pellets than you would in a normal number two steel load. So to answer your question, Chad, has it revolutionized our business? And have we shut down half the factory from steel production to TSS and waterfowl? No, we have not. But we're definitely seeing the sub gauge trend and the custom shop. You know, we haven't we don't have in our catalog true waterfowl loads other than the Black Cloud TSS, which is a TSS and steel blend on the inside. But in the custom shop, we actually have seen quite an increase in the, the TSS loading over the past last year. Ammo availability might be part of that, you know, because they can go online, they can order it from our website, you know, we'll load it up and ship it to them within two weeks, typically. Um, but that's the trend we're seeing, definitely sub-gauge. Um, Skip, I know you are thinking along the lines, we've talked about the sub-gauge revolution with the 410s, the 28 gauges. Amazing. Um, so comfortable to shoot. So easy. So the, the the results are there. I remember a hunt in Idaho with John Shaw at Hagerman Farms. You can't you can't use anything bigger than a, a twenty, but he prefers twenty eights. And I remember having the ethos out there and the the federal ammunition and just like wow, like why would you shoot a twelve gauge in a mallard duck? That's kind of like what you start thinking. Like when people are like, I need more twelve gauge. You you kind of have to ask yourself, well, why? Well, here's the deal: twelve gauge is the cream of the crop when it comes to waterfowl hunting. We all know that. There's no tan really anymore. There's you know there's there's people that do use a twenty gauge on some ducks, and I know that there's some diehards that got their twenty eight gauges out there. There is a an a, a surgeon an insurgence going on, but Rob. Tell me, Rob, complete transparency. I know you say, oh, well, the older you get, you might want something a little more comfortable. But does any of this touch the 12-gauge, Rob? Should we shoot uh, anything at ducks and geese besides a 12-gauge? Be honest with me. Uh, actually, it depends on your situation. To me, I'm not a 410 fan at all. Never have been. I know it's a big trend right now. I think it's really great for shooting snakes and squirrels. But... Um, you know, and I always go back and tell them, well, Benelli don't make a 410. Okay, there you go. But um, the the 28 gauge is a is a gun that is basically as good, if not better, than the 20. If you really if you really break it down, the 28 gauge is is a serious gun. Um, for you guys, like I hunt lots of rice fields, lots of wind, lots of situations, or extreme cold. You know, you get up there in some extreme cold in Minnesota and everything else. That 12 gauge is always going to outperform in those conditions. If you're in, if you're in great conditions, you're going to sit with a 28 and 20, you know, like dove season, 
um, I, that's all I'll use is a 28 gauge because you know it's it's a different time of year. So you do have effects that's going to come into that. The 12 gauge is always going to be there, and plus you got an abundance of shells anywhere you go. If nothing else, you reach over and reach in your buddy's bag and take his shells. You know, so that that part always comes good. Um, I don't see any of the subs taking over. Now I do see three inch taking over three and a half. Just we see that every day. We're, we're seeing it on pa- uh, everything from pander- patterns to. Uh, besides that, if you're getting beat up, your first shot it's hard to hit your second shot. So uh, uh, I, you know, I think it's to each his own. But uh, the twelve gauge is always going to be there. There's no doubt. Um, Skip, I, I want to transition Skip into the technicalities of what we're talking about because I want people to understand. If you're, I want to start with Rob on this, Skip, and then I want you to jump in here with the question for Compton. But Rob, I want you to picture a a glass gun barrel on your shotgun, see through a hundred percent. I want you to explain to our listening audience what happens once that that firing pin hits that primer. Is I want you to talk about the powder, the forcing cones. I want you to talk about the wad and the BBs, and then what happens as it travels down that barrel to the muzzle, reaching the choke tube, and then exiting that with the velocity and everything as it approaches down, you know, down target to where your your duck or your goose is or whatever animal you're pursuing. I really want our audience to understand why it's so important to 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 get that, to realize what is happening. So if they do say, well, my guns, I'm shooting low, like turkey season this year, Rob, I was shooting low and to the left. I went out on paper after my first hunt and I said, whoa, wonder what happened. It was just a little adjustment that I had to make in my sights. So with that being said, I want you to explain what happens if you had a clear barrel and we could watch that activation occur. Well, like, you know, we're, we're real big on first off taking that forcing cone. So the gun goes boom, you know, everything exits the shell. The, the shell opens, it, it goes through, it hits the forcing cone area, which Basically, because of your European markets and everything else, where there's still different type wad cups, paper, whatever the case may be, that's actually supposed to form your shell or, or form your shot rather. And what we're doing is we're removing it so it's you got a straight shot through your board. It's letting your board take over, so it's gaining more momentum to go in. It'll drop down on the uh, your shot cup. Now it's dropping down onto the choke tube. And then it's constricting to wherever, you know, whatever constriction you're using in choke. That That's basically what's going on. Um, as far as, um, you know, people get into the forcing cone, non-forcing cone, in today's world, the most time we're using, everything's American made here. We're, we're using the plastic wad cups and stuff like that. And we find that it's uh, more distortion than it does any good. So that's why we take it out. But um, I think another thing that you're, that you're talking there also is the tighter, Tighter boards and stuff like that have longer shot string. I think that's something that you can go on from your glass barrel thoughts is taking it out a little farther and noticing the shot string part of it between your tight chokes and your more open. And uh, I think that's something that people don't take into play. Um, that they, that I think that's probably more important than what's going on there is actually when it does leave the barrel, that shot string. So if you got, um, you know, put it back on a skeet shooter like a long shots, you know, they like tighter bores because their targets are left and right like this, where trap shooters is going straight away. They like a shorter 
shot strength. So they got more pellets hitting on impact. So that's, that's, uh, I don't hope, I hope I didn't cause a confusion there, but that's kind of more, it's not so much what it's doing when it comes through the barrel. It's when it hits that choke tubes part of it and exits where the real difference comes in. Now, Compton, in a speech and debate format, when you hear Rob Roberts talk about the velocity and keeping that shot string, you know, even throughout the entire barrel as it travels through and the forcing cones are removed, do you agree with this, Dan, in your studies of how that shell is activated through the barrel and the shooting system? Meaning, like, would you argue Rob's point, or do you say, yes, that's you're going to get the best shot string possible by removing the forcing cones and, and what Rob just talked about? Does Dan have us on mute? Sorry, my dog was barking before, so no I, I stopped her. I'm going to have to actually agree 100% with Rob because I am not the expert on forcing cones. I got other guys at the company that can probably do better than that. But I will agree on the shot string part, though, that it's definitely, you know, it is user-based. And I know, like, the ideal pattern that we see is, you know, and you've heard this said over and over is what we call, like, a square load. You know, if you have the the length over diameter of a load, and it's a most uniform shape. The longer Rob said, four tan shoot like crap. It's because you're leaning your pattern. You're you're you got all this shot coming out the barrel over this extended amount of time. If it all came out the barrel at the same time, you're going to probably get your most consistent pattern possible. So that tends to your your shot string effect by shortening up the shot string. You can have a more dense pellets on target. And most waterfowlers, like if they're coming right in their face, that's what they're looking for. So if you maybe go a little tighter and on your passing shots that's probably going to give you that longer string. It's going to help you there. So it really is situational. And I'm, yeah, I got to admit, I've learned more from listening to Rob on forcing cones than I ever knew myself. So. Skip, I, I could keep going all day long. You know that I'm so inquisitive about this stuff, but I know you're a, you're a, a nut too about it. So skip, go ahead and take over. <laughs> I just wanted to agree with Rob that um, I had a great friend who worked at guns and ammo He's a, a talented wing shooter, Peyton Miller. He always said, you know, the 410 is a stunt. The 28 gauge is a murderous weapon. And so is a 20 gauge. And that corroborated everything I saw in the timber. I had it with a bunch of guys. And that was my aha moment with the 28 gauge. Um, we were hunting timber. We don't shoot at the birds until they're at least within 30 yards underneath the tree canopy. And uh, we were shooting heavy shot, um, the original heavy shot, pure heavy shot 28. And I was just really apprehensive about using a 28 gauge and couldn't believe how it just mopped these birds. They'd fall so dead if they landed in a tree limb crotch, they wouldn't even wiggle their way out. The dogs loved it. And there were so much fewer cripples. These are big greenheads shooting limits of them uh, east of Kansas city. Um, it was a real eye opener, but there was a couple of guys shooting four tens. And even with the tungsten loads, we'd have to burn a $3 shell to kill their wounded ducks again and again and again. It was an eye opener for me. They were shooting mostly bismuth actually. But uh, I think this whole thing about the 12 versus the sub gauges and everything, it's totally situational. Um, one one uh, gun launch I went on two years ago, we were asking if they came out with a killer new semi-automatic. It was a Savage Renegade. We asked if they were going to make a 20 gauge because we all liked the gun and how soft kicking and easy to shoot it was. And they're like, um, maybe at some point, but skip the bot. Even though it's trendy now and everyone's talking about it, um, there's still 85% of duck guns that are sold are I think that's the number, don't hold me to that, are, are 12 gauges. And that's, to, to all the listeners out there, a lot of them just getting into duck hunting, 
you, you know, you got to probably decide what you want to shoot before you buy your gun. If you want to go to a 20 gauge or a 28, you need to know that you should probably buy bismuth or tungsten. And if you're willing to make that expense, you're going to enjoy a lighter gun. You can hold a whole box of 28 gauge shells in your hand. It's so nice in your coat pocket compared to a giant box of three and a half inch 12s. But if you're value minded um, and you're going to shoot steel, you need a 12 gauge, you know, you really do. Or you're going to have to limit your shots to 20, 25 yards to be really ethical and to make up for when you shoot him where he shoots, not where he eats, you know, there's not much margin of error with steel. And the new 12 gauge steel loads are just murderous. And some of the affordable ones, I think uh, I shot that Winchester, uh, it's, it's called Snow Goose. And it was like $16 a box. They sent me a case and I'm like, well, I'll shoot it if I have to, or where we know we're going to get birds in close. But they sent a bunch of it, and I took it on a hunt, a party hunt, where I was bringing the ammo uh, with family. And I was shocked. It just murdered the geese. As long as you kept it under 35 yards, it, it, it mopped them. It was amazing. And I'm like, you know, given that, why would you want to go to a $3, $4 shell? Bismuth has exploded and bridged the gap. It brought it somewhere between steel and all those super performance, like um, tungsten loads. But... Uh, you know, if you're going to shoot steel, shoot a 12 gauge and 85% of shooters out there are shooting 12 gauges still. Um, yeah. I get a secondary weapon as a 28 or a 20 and they are murderous with the new loads, but it ain't cheap. <laughs> yeah. I can corroborate that too from our waterfall sales, you know, at federal it's, it's 80% is 12 gauge 50, you know, 15 to 18% 20 gauge and then 410 and 28 fill out the rest. And that's almost across the board for, for whether you're talking lead waterfall or not. And you do see a little bit, you know, Turkey is where you'll see sub gauges really, really starting to grow. But what you said about bismuth, it, it really does bridge the gap. And for people who are new, it don't understand, you know, there was a time when everyone shot lead at ducks and lead is just denser, right? So it's denser than steel. So you can shoot it at a lower velocity and you're not getting, you know, whatever goes forward, you're feeling come back. So that's what's hitting you on the shoulder, right? So to steel, to make steel more lethal because of denser, you're really jacking the speed up. Well, now you're feeling that on your shoulder as well. Bismuth and, the, you know, and tungsten, like get more density. You can shoot at a lower velocity and you're not getting hit as hard. So just for, for anyone newer out there. But yeah, we, I mean, bismuth is just, a, I would say bismuth died, you know, 15 years ago, 12 years ago. And it's just made this resurgence and come back. So it's, it's really cool. I shot mostly bismuth all last season. I was really happy with it. Do you? Talk to me, Compton, about what you just ended that thought with. When you go out and you're taking the the product out with you to test, what what are guys like you and Rob looking for in R and D when you're actually? I remember when we went to on the snow goose hunt and we were reporting back with the results we were getting at. But what about before that? Like, what what does somebody like you and Eric look for? because there's got to be more than just the knockdown power is my point, right? There's got to be consistency. There's got to be what's it doing with the gun. What's it doing with the the heat, the how hot are they getting? What's going on with the barrel? What, what are some of the things that you could tell the listening audience of what research is going into this before you go to market with these loads, because they are high dollar, they are high powered, but what can the consumer be rest assured of, of like, Hey, this was really thought out, you know, to the T before it went to market. 
Sure. So every product that we develop, when we, we start from ground zero, it depends on what we want it to be, you know, and that's part of my job is I set the requirements that the engineers develop to, but like the basic for everything that we do is going to be shot. We call it, shoot it at hot and cold and we're shooting for pressure and velocity and pressure is how much pressure is building up in that gun to a peak level before everything starts to release and the round goes off and then velocity. What, what are we targeting? So we, we go down to minus 30 degrees and plus 130 degrees Fahrenheit and all kinds of crazy stuff can happen to gunpowder and plastics between that range and if you're going to operate good at those fringes like i said before you're going to do pretty well at the middle and something like kind of a side note something we're really looking for in our powders going forward is temp stability you know so if you ever like shot a, a rifle is a good example you shoot a rifle on 80 degree day and then depending on your powder go out and shoot at a five degree day you might see a seven you know seven to eight inch drop depending on your cartridge guns are the same thing and i've always heard as like people say as it gets colder and the geese are more downed up you got to hit them harder i think part of it is is that your powder was dropping in pressure you're losing velocity as you get colder mm. with some of the traditional powders out there so we shoot everything at hot and cold and then it just really depends on the product. You know, what is, you know, everything comes back to what would the customer be looking for? So a duck hunter is going to want a really consistent pattern and probably as many pellets as we can give them within a 30 inch circle as possible. So like with a bismuth load, we would shoot it and we would say, how are we comparing to steel? How are we doing within that 30 inch circle? And then I will, you know, we'll work on the target. Like, do we want to, Sammy is going to say your minimum load should be a 70% at a full choke, you know, in a 40 inch circle, we're getting 70% pellets. Well, on a waterfall though, we may want that a little tighter than 70. So we may shoot for 75 or, or 80, you know, 80, even depending on what the load is. So it's always PNV, it's always patterns. And then we function test everything, even when we set up on the loader. So every time we set up the load to load, we're going to shoot pressure velocity, and then we'll run it through function testing as well, which means we take a battery of guns and we cycle those around through those guns and make sure they eject every time and they're not hanging up inside the gun. Rob, when you hear Dan talk like that, very well said, Compton, is <clears throat> what happens now, Rob, when you get that ammo that Dan's talking about that just went through that entire research and development phase? You have it now, but now at the same time, Rob, you have hundreds of people sending their guns to you, all times of the year turkey you get loaded up and then waterfowl season comes and they want this what happens once that gun's unboxed at rob roberts to ensure well, that the shooting system is going to be consistent with what compton just explained with the ammo research well he's 100 percent spot on people don't realize that a shotgun does have a variable there on on conditions you know yeah we all we build rifles we we shoot lots of rifles you know if it's a hundred degree day, it's a lot different. If it's a 30 shotguns are not as drastic, but it is there. Um, in old days, people would send their guns in like for turkeys and it'd be in January, February time of the year, people send a gun in to have it, uh, test patterned and everything. We would actually set up in a building and put space heaters on the ammunition to keep it at a certain temperature. So when we went outside to shoot this, the, the, Ammo was at that. You know, we we warn people, even in the duck, the duck world, bring your ammo inside with you. You can leave your gun and everything else out in the truck when it's two below zero. Bring your ammo inside. And uh, so it does. Your your patterns go to crap when it's real hot or, or low. So it's uh, and, and you're not going to be hunting in perfect 60 degree weather all the time either. So we, we do look we do look at that also. And then when you when you are patterning these guns, uh, we do notice we always go for patterns first. We we if it's patterning, you're killing, and and that's 
that's what we say. And we try to shorten them down a little bit, even into the 20 and 24-inch range, like on ducks, because that's um, – that, uh, you know, we'll tighten the chokes or whatever the case may be to bring it into that. So where we're when we're testing, not so much – you know, he's still doing a little bit of load development there. We're doing – we know they've already done their part. Now what we want to do is we want to take their load development and put it to where it's in the gun for the, the pattern development. Now we want it in there because we know it, it's doing what they say it does. Now we got to make it to where it's killing for you when you use it. And that's uh, that's kind of where we go for it. We want accuracy and patterns is what we look for. I under I understand the analogy, Compton. You first, and then Rob. Of well, to each their own, and it depends on the shooter. What's the best all around duck load, Dan Compton? When you're talking just all about around. just thirty five yards or in, let's say, mm-hmm. let's just say that they cooperate that day, and it's bluebird sky, sunshine. Like Rob Robertson, myself, absolutely love it. Skip is more of a low ceiling, gray, overcast. He's just like really kind of mopey, so he likes that that kind of day. You know, me and Rob, we're excited as hell every day. We want the sunshine on us, and they're to each their own, right? Some people think that Skip's day is what you call quote unquote a ducky day. I learned in Arkansas almost two decades ago that they don't want to ever see a cloud, right? They want sunshine. So um, what is the best all around load when it's sunny, those mallards are feet down in your decoy spread and you're shooting them at 35 yards or closer. What would you tell the consumer? Go get this box. I would say, go get an ounce and a quarter, like black cloud. Number threes is what I would go with. And, and you can make the argument of twos and those two sell almost identically now. So the market is kind of back, you know, justifying that, but an ounce and a quarter around 1400, 15 feet per second in a number two shot or a number three shot is going to give you plenty of lethality at 35 yards or in and plenty of pellets hitting the duck and, it, and it's going to crush them. So for me, it's a three inch ounce and a quarter around 1450, 1500 feet per second. Rob, number go. two or three. Rob, you same what question. Up. I agree with, uh, I shoot tons and tons of black cloud myself, but I'm going to tell you, if you've got ducks that are all staying at 30, 35 yards, blue box, federal, ounce and a quarter, twos. I'm a twos guy anyway. I shoot twos mm-hmm. on everything except TSS. And it is it is hard to beat. It's just great patterns with that stuff. And it, it it's, black cloud's almost too good at 35 yards. I'll put <laughs> Skip, that, Skip, do you agree with what Rob just said? Are you a two man? And Skip, no, please, no, before no, you I, answer, Skip, please understand. I was just kidding. I know you're always in a good mood. I was just trying to talk about like the different the different ducky days, right? I want sunshine. You might want clouds. But Skip, what's your load? Your go to load? I learned to kill a ton of birds out under both conditions because I lived in Seattle for 15 years. Went to Washington State, and the east side of the state is a uh, complete sunshiny mallards in the sun with your buddies busting banded birds. It was incredible when I really got into it. There mid-90s, but on the west side, the mopey, um, melancholy, overcast weather of the t- all the time on the west side, I learned to love the fact that if you find a little X with just, you know, sometimes just a dozen great big western Washington honkers with chests this wide on any flooded pasture or sheet water, you could get in there the next day and they might not come. It, it was completely variable when they come, but when those, those foggy days when they can't even see you until they're 60 yards in and it's too late, they can't pick you apart and you can just give them a few clucks and, and, and uh, bring them right in. I love both weather uh, patterns for, uh, for hunting those birds, but um, I'm absolutely a twos guy day in and day out because out West here and so many places I hunt, like 
Kansas and <clears throat> Nebraska, geese are often making a celebrity appearance, even when you're duck hunting. And so the twos are better. I haven't shot threes that much for that reason, but shooting steel, I always like twos because you might get that passing shot at a honker at 40 yards and, and uh, swing that barrel all the way down his neck and keep it going past his lips. And it's a really neat splash when a, when a great big bird lands in the water like that. I like but the visualization. The tungsten or any of that shot, that changes the game. I like sixes and any of that tungsten combo stuff. Even at a 28 gauge, it's unbelievable, the penetration. Let's end it like this, guys, because we've said a lot, and it's always such an education when we talk to guys like Rob and Dan. Skip, we're very lucky to have access to guys like this. Our industry is lucky to have people like Rob Roberts and Dan Compton that get it, that are putting out the absolute best there is. And again, there's several manufacturers out there. Skip's mentioned some today. You can get all of this information in the new gear issue. Federal's in here. Rob Roberts choke tubes are in here. Skip Knowles' name is in here. He's the editor-in-chief. He knows what he's talking about. Dan Compton, educate our listening audience, and you did touch on this, and then I want Rob to tell us. How would you tell us to go about getting ammo? It's August. There's guys that are already killing Canada geese in North Dakota right now. There's guys that I've seen that have gotten the shot, and they're up north of the border in Manitoba and Ontario and Saskatchewan and, and Alberta, and they're getting their camps ready for the opener in early September. Dove loads are even hard to come by right now, Dan Compton. Give us a little bit of a tutorial on what you would do as a consumer in our country right now after they read about all this and get excited. How the heck do we get it, Dan? I would stay on if you got your local your local dealer, your local gun shop that you work with day in and day out or your you know specialty retail stores in your area, I would hit them up first. And I'd become really good buddies with whoever stocks the ammo aisle and I would find out what days are you getting your shipments and then I'd say I'm going to be here on Monday at three o'clock, you know, now, if that doesn't work for you, I always start with the local retailer, you know, cause you never, you never know what they're going to have. And they may have their, we do our best to project our shipments out to our dealers for when they're going to get them. But the second best, and in this age, it's online. Online is going to be probably your best chance at getting ammo when it comes in. And there's a couple of big dealers out there. You know, we support a lot of Rogers is one of our big Rogers sporting goods in, in uh, <clears throat> Missouri. Sorry. In Missouri. Sorry is one of is one of our biggest breed sporting goods in minnesota both have big online presences and they're going to have a, a fair they're going to be one of your best shots and they're often running you know you know good shipping specials as well so you got to be vigilant with your retailer you got to be vigilant with your online retailer and i've told people i work events you know all over the country and people tell me boy i can't find ammo but last year when i went to the store they had 20 cases so i bought it all you know, your buddy might have ammo in his garage that you're going to have to borrow from or hit him up. Or if you have that 20 cases and your buddies are talking about how they can't find ammo, you might have to help them out a little bit just until things start to stabilize a little more. Rob. And, and I got one more too. Oh, you can stop. always go to federalpremium.com and we, we don't necessarily have everything in stock on there, but we try to have a, a certain amount reserved. So that day to day, you can at least pick up a couple boxes at a time. Thank you, Compton. Rob, how, does the reader of the wildfowl giant gear issue go about getting your services? Can we go online and build out a gun and then send it to yeah. you? Do we buy yeah. the gun from you or do we have to ship you the gun, Rob? How does it work? They uh, just pick up the phone call. Uh, we've got guys there that will help. I'm happy to help. We don't actually sell the guns as we, we do. We work with so many different Benelli dealers, for example, um, that we're not really a Benelli dealer. 
So we don't want to be in, we don't want to be going up against any of these guys. We'd rather do work for them. So we just, we would assume you go to your local dealer, get the gun you like, whether Benelli, Browning, Beretta, whoever it is, Remington, whatever the case may be, and uh, send it to us. And our guys will be happy to explain to them just exactly what to do. Um, We've, through this thing, most people have been out of work. We've got hired a new guy yesterday. I mean, we we're our place is up and going. We're we're starting to expand enough that uh, we're getting quicker turnaround times to to get your stuff out. So, yeah, just pick up the phone, give us a call. Well, rest assured, here's where we are. We're we are hunters. We are shooters. We are gun owners. We are Second Amendment supporters. But we also are providers. We are teachers. We are mentors. This is a big deal in this culture. Mentoring is a big deal. And I want people in our listening audience to understand how important it is to put safety and respect for what Rob and Dan and Skip and I have been talking about. First and foremost, it's easy to say we're a hunter. It's easy to say that we're a great duck caller or a great turkey killer. But are we really doing everything in our power to protect this privilege? We are not entitled to any of the stuff that we talked about today, except our right to bear arms, which is protected by our Constitution of the United States and our Second Amendment. But we do not have the right to hunt. We are not entitled to hunt, Skip Knowles. This is a privilege. This is a blessing that we are able to wake up in this unbelievable country with freedoms provided by our military and our first responders protecting our country, our rights, our communities, our kids. Skip, we have to take responsibility that we are going to do this with dignity, respect for the resource, compassion for these animals that we pursue. In a day and age where it's so easy to get on our phones and upload a picture to get what we call quote unquote likes, I do not personally like seeing a coyote suffer. I don't like seeing snow geese just thrown like they're, you know, candy from a a vendor being thrown out or peanuts in a baseball field. That's an animal that gave up his or her life for us as hunters to provide a bounty for our friends and family. With the technology available today and the products that companies like Federal Premium and Rob Roberts Custom Gunworks are putting out there, We owe it to ourselves to become proficient and confident with these shooting systems. So when we do point that bead at a duck or an approaching Canada goose or speck or snow or turkey or alligator or coyote or bobcat, I don't care what it is. We do it with dignity and compassion for that animal, Skip, because at the end of the day, it's going to be one of us in the wrong light that gets this privilege revoked. And I don't want to see it revoked because when I see the look on my 10-year-old daughter's face when a canvas back does what it does or a coyote approaches or a turkey gobbles, it lights me up just as much as it does her. When I see my 10-year-old nephew Chase harvest animals and, and, and understand the gratitude that is paid forward to them and then the look on his face when he tastes that animal on our table there's no better feeling in the world there is no better or cooler lifestyle in the world than to be an american hunter and i just want to make sure that all of us listening do it the right way i'm not telling you how to hunt or what to use if you want to shoot a turkey with a bow go on and do it i feel that turkeys are one animal that should be shot with a shotgun but who am i to tell you how to hunt if it's ethical and it's legal then do it with dignity and respect rob roberts does all of that make sense to you sir hundred percent because when getting your skills and everything that you get, that you take a kid and learns how to hunt and how to do it the right way and give respect back to it is also 
a survival skill that may be coming in this crazy world that we're in. It may be what saves their lives somewhere down the road is to know how to do this stuff and do it right. I agree, Rob Roberts. Dan Compton, when you hear the words that just came out of my mouth, please tell the listening audience how important it is to fly this flag the right way, especially in times like Rob Roberts just mentioned, Dan, we have to showcase this culture in the right light. I'm going to let you end it, Skip, but Dan, please talk on that for a second. Yeah, I'd, I'd say two things, you know, come about this. So you're out there in, in, a, in an Instagram era, you know, whatever you could do out in the field and you're posting out there is out there for everybody. So do it right, but demonstrate it right as well. And, you know, we're at a generation where, you know, hunters have kind of been on decline, but there's new hunters learning and they're learning how to hunt from YouTube or Instagram or whoever. And they're going to model and do exactly what we do. You know, I'm not a huge social media presence, but, you know, you, you, you live it every day, Chad. And, you know, so do it right. And so that you're given that great example for the next generation who may be learning from how we do it. And then secondly, you know, I think it's our responsibility that when you go hunting, take somebody new with you and show them how to do it the right way. And then when you do it, you know, take them home and show them how to cook that duck or that deer or that turkey so that they're like, man, that was awesome. I didn't just shoot it out of the sky, but I learned this new skill like Rob talked about how to take care of myself and I can eat it and enjoy it. You know, so that's where I'll leave it. I love it, Dan Compton. I love the ideology of a provider. Skip Knowles, you are the ultimate provider, not just with the bounty on your friends and family table, but you provide us with all of this knowledge that we can keep at our fingertips all season long. You could put this in a protective binder and carry it with you and refer to this all year long. I've called it the Duck and Goose Hunters Bible. Skip, take us out of our Choke Tubes and Loads podcast with Rob Roberts and Dan Compton. Skip Knowles, what do you got on your mind? I just I just love it that you guys showed up and, and participated. I really appreciate it. And, and we do take so much pleasure in... Um, creating this giant gear issue, hopefully to simplify some decisions for people, especially those new to the sport, see what's out there and get some good ideas. And there's just something magic about this big gear issue. And Chad would really help you, uh, appreciate you helping us celebrate it. There's something about the heft of a print publication and landing with a wump on your doorstep. Wildfowl's greatly expanded. We have a new full-time digital editor and we're, we're blowing up on social and uh, reaching across every platform now, but there's something about that print issue that's, that's just kind of magical. And um, when people look at it now and they're wondering if they can get that ammunition, um, a really cool angle that I, that I thought of recently, my friends were talking about, Skip, if, you, if we can't get more ammunition, when you come out here, we've got like the best dove hole north of Mexico. It's just amazing. We all get excited about it. We don't even have to hunt it on the opener. We can go out at any time and it's good. Um, we're blessed with that way. But my friends are like, I am think I'm going to give my, my kid one shotgun shell at a time because we just don't have the ammunition. And I thought my immediate reaction was that really sucks because they're all shooting little pumps and, you know, fancy semi-autos now. And I thought something went ding in my head. And I'm like, one, for our conversation today, that makes the importance of a, a good choke and the right load that much more important when you only shoot once. And I thought, you know what? That's how my dad taught me. First of all, I had a Harrington and Richardson single shot 20 gauge when I was a little boy. And he would give me one shell at a time so that I didn't get trigger happy or wasted or anything like that. And, and that's a good reminder. I think it's probably not a bad idea to take a kid out, give him one shell at a time and, and get him to try and make that one shot really count and uh, have a great time in the field out there this year. I'm really optimistic about it. And I think we're going to do it just that way, not just because of the ammo shortage, but because it's a, it's a proper way to teach someone to respect their one opportunity and the resource and try and make a clean kill. 
So I'll leave it at that. But thank you guys for participating. Rob Roberts, thank you very much for being here, my man. Any closing words? Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. And yeah, and it's so it's so much fun just to sit and listen to, you know, from one aspect to the other. It, it really helpful. And I, I enjoy you letting me be a part of it. Well, we love having you, Rob. You're a master. We truly appreciate our association with you and your brand. Check out Rob Roberts on Instagram at Rob Roberts Custom Gunworks. His website is so beneficial to go on and learn his services. And I am speaking from experience. I've visited his his place in Arkansas, and I have several of his products. And I'm telling you, I don't look anywhere else when it comes to being on target every single time. Thank you, Rob Roberts. Dan Compton, Federal Premium. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for being here. Any closing words, Compton? No, I appreciate you having us on. It's good to it's good to know all you guys and hopefully running to each other in the field as well. I want to come to Minnesota for so many things, but most of all, probably walleye. I really need somebody <laughs> to ship me, overnight me some walleye or crappie. I just need some fish because all we have out here is trout, and I'm probably not going to eat that. So, Compton, keep that in mind next time you and Kelvington and old Lewis from Revenge of the Nerds, Mr. Jason Nash, are out catching those walleye. I could really use some in my belly. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Foul Eye Podcast 2021 Wildfowl Giant Gear Issue Podcast Series. Get it now on your newsstands. Wildfowl is so awesome. I've said it before. If you go into a duck hunting lodge and it's not in there, you might want to turn around and find a new duck hunting lodge. That might be a little drastic and traumatic, but it is true. If they don't have this, I don't know if I would hunt there. Peace out, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the podcast. Tom Jake, hit that button. This song is called My Foul Life. The band is 2AM Logic. Uh-huh.